What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is one of my favorite types of episodes. I just get to say words, and then Jordan gets to rant for 30 minutes. (laughs) Welcome, Jordan. Hannah is excited because this is the podcast where she has to do absolutely nothing. And I learned so much, and it's great, and it's entertaining. He has two coffees. There's Um, cold brew within like 10 feet, just in case we need more. I'm ready. We are hype. I'm primed. Do you want to just like tell everyone who you are and what you do for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, my name is Jordan Wigger. I'm the owner of Low Country Barbell Club, which is a, um, I don't even want to say like a weightlifting specific gym because mm-hmm. it's not anymore. Yeah. It is a gym uh, right up on the border of North Charleston and Goose Creek. Um, Goose Creek. Goose Creek. That's right. Um, but yeah, so we uh, have weightlifting, powerlifting, um, sports performance, and group classes there fitness. so yeah, yeah group group fitness group fitness mm-hmm. this time last year we were like talking about the opening of this gym yep yep because i think we had i think we hadn't quite moved in yet yeah but we're moved in now so the space looks way different for sure sometimes it looks I different forget. every time i go yeah sometimes i forget how far it's come because i'm always just like man there's so much to do yeah but it's come a super long way do you so. have like before and after pictures I do, but um, we still have to like do a couple really big things. Like we got to paint the back wall, okay. and I'm halfway through building the front desk, and it keeps on getting put on pause because like yeah. my weekends keep on getting taken away from me. Yeah. So, so you have an event coming up, right? Yeah. So we have our meet coming up on September 17th. Um, you know, just a weightlifting meet, uh, Holy City Classic. It's kind of like our the big meet that we'll do every year. We're gonna try to do like two to three every year, but this is the one that we'll for sure like always continue. Yeah. We also have a USAW L one um course certification course coming up. That's the first weekend of October, so October first and second. If anybody out there is interested in learning more about weightlifting and like even like becoming a coach or any of those things, that's what this course is for. Um, we're going to probably try to have one of those every year also, Nice. but yeah. So if anybody out there is looking to get yours, it's convenient and it's here in Charleston. So you might as well hop in there. Heck yes. So today's docket, we are talking about in part one. So this will be a two part podcast, um, so that we can really make sure that we bring it as much as possible. Part one is going to be more talking about programming, answering some questions that we got. 
Um, minimum effective dose, maximum recoverable volume, science, uh, deloading, enjoying training, how to use, when to use RPE, and uh, building strength in novices. And then part two, we will rant um, about <laughs> the recent CrossFit in, a, in 100 Words. Which is not recent, but they posted it recently. The so, recent hype yeah. around it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even the it's recent like hype. 15 years old or something. <laughs> we'll talk about inflammation being the root cause of all evil. Mm-hmm. Cryo, cold water immersion, maybe just like touch on that. Yeah. And then soreness. And what even is soreness and DOMS, and then maybe a little bit of keto stuff. Ranting. Yeah, so part one, we'll probably still rant, but part two is like really rant. So stay tuned for part two. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about, let's start with programming. So this question of, we have these two kind of like checkpoints. One is minimum effective dose, and the other one is maximal recoverable volume. Yes. And in the middle, it's just like no man's land. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, all of these are a little bit theoretical, right? Like, there are certain people that will go in and assign a number to, like, let's say, like, your biceps. There are people that will go in and do some training, and after a long enough time, they will say, oh, it looks like my MRV, so the the maximum volume that my biceps can handle per week is this number of sets, you know, as long as I'm in this rep range, then if I'm in this rep range, there's this many, then blah, 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 right? They'll go in, they'll figure all that stuff out. Most people don't do that, right? For the most part, most people are just kind of like thinking of these things as theoretical values to help you design your program, mm. which is what I do them for, right? The, the problem with these things is unless you're living in like a Bulgarian training hall where all you do is, you know, you sleep eight hours, you go train, and you eat, a, yeah, you eat a big-ass meal, and then you sleep, you take a two-hour nap, and you try to get, like, unless you're doing that, these numbers are going to vary up and down based off life stresses, your diet, how much sleep you're getting, you know, all that other stuff. How many so, alcohols you have. Also. Yeah, exactly, right? How much ganja you've been, you know, t- partaking of, or whatever <laughs> the case may be. Um, so... This stuff, I don't think there's a lot of use in getting to an exact number unless you're like, just like hyper fixating on it, right? The only person that I can think of that I know knows their numbers for sure is Mike Isretail from RP Strength. And that's because he is a super nerd, right? No insults here that shows up and uses a lawn chair at the gym to sit down in between his sets. So, yeah, yeah. But like Mike is the only person that I can think of off the top of my head that does this sort of stuff. Outside of that... You're really just trying to use these as like, oh, how many sets and reps, you know, can I get to? And from a coach's standpoint, I'm going to judge that people's MRV will be higher or lower depending on if they're older, right? How much training experience they have. Um, Also, like, kind of body composition to some respect, too. If I have somebody who's brand new and you know, they're, they don't have a lot of lean tissue mass, then we probably can't do as much work as somebody who weighs roughly the same, but has a higher, you know, percentage of lean tissue mass. So it's just like, it's just variables that you're trying to take into account for to give you an idea of how much work to do. So, okay. What, like, what number would you even assign to it? What does that number look like? So... Same thing. It's going to depend on... So if we're talking about tens, right? Like let's say we're doing back squats, right? If I have... and So there's also some other stuff in this, like fiber type's going to play a role depending on what rep range you're in. So many people might be familiar with JJ, right? Mm -hmm. JJ doing tens is going to be much more fatiguing for him than 
literally almost anybody else because sucks he's for JJ. Well, well, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it right? doesn't suck for JJ. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So like. I mean, he's type 2X majority, right? Like, he's more explosive than, like, any other fiber type that he's going to have, which is why, like, he, no no insults towards JJ, he would not be very good at CrossFit, and that's because he fatigues to way too fast. He can produce, he's like a Ferrari, right? You can drive really, really fast some of the time. Okay, right? so think about the regular old person. Yeah, so regular old person. Not even old. Regular person that doesn't understand fiber types or even Yeah, they're just to. like want to train. Like yeah. what's the point of MRV and MED? So, basically, whenever you're like designing your program, the least amount of work that you want to do, you want to be above the MED. So, so the that's like your floor. Dose. Yeah, that's like we don't ever want to go lower than this. Even when we're deloading, we don't want to go lower than this. Right? So, okay, is there any are there any numbers below MED? Not really, because they don't matter, right? Like, your your MED, if you go down to MED, you're going to be maintaining. Yes. Okay. And so, there are times when you want to maintain, but I think people also don't understand how low the MED is for most people, right? Unless you're a high-level athlete, your MED is pretty friggin' low, right? Hmm. Like, let's say uh, I'm a 200-pound a man that can bench 275, Right. For bench, like literally one day doing three sets of five at like 65 to 70 percent is probably enough to maintain, to maintain. a week. Right. Yeah. If you, like, are you going to get technically better at benching? No. So you might it's experience. Yeah. Okay. You might experience some skill loss, but the actual like just raw ability of your muscles to produce the force, that's not really going to go anywhere, even at that low of volume. So MED is really low for most people. Mm, okay. Um, MRV is usually, it's not crazy high, but there is usually a big gap. Once again, yeah. that's going to change. Part of the reason why people that are really high level start to like plateau pretty hard and why it becomes really hard to gain like mm-hmm. any more progress is because your MED and your MRV get closer the longer and the, you know, the better you get. So it takes like almost the same amount to get a change as as, as you can actually handle. Yeah. Yes. Which okay. is also part of the reason why drugs are really popular. Like yeah. PEDs, like performance enhancing drugs are really popular. Exactly. So they make your, they spread the values apart. They make it so that your MED is lower. So you need less dosage to get yeah. a response. And they make it so that your MRV is higher, right? Like your body responds more sensitively. Yes. Also you recover and like build. And you can better. handle more. Okay. So that's why they're super popular for people, right? It's yeah. not even really cheating. Like it's cheating because it's not allowed in the rules, but all you're doing is allowing yourself to do more work, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. Okay. So what happens above MRV? So maximum recoverable volume. Yeah. So you definitely start to see like problems, right? Um, more likely that injuries are going to occur. You're going to start to have some of the symptoms of overtraining, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so above MRV is overtraining. Yeah, pretty much. Um, if you're passing that, you're going to know really fast. Um, mm-hmm. you're going to start to feel really crappy. Um, more than just your normal training aches and pains, right? Like, Oh, I did squats yesterday. My knees are, they feel fatigued. That's normal. Yeah. Right. Oh, I did squats. Um, and now it feels like I can't walk. Now going up and down the stairs hurts. Yeah, exactly. Like hurts more in like, I mean, it's so dependent on the person. Like what it is. is. But yeah. like a lot of the people that come in to see me, 
are like flying very too close to the sun and have been for a while. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the people that come to see me probably have been overtraining. Yeah. So now I'm more trying <clears throat> to figure out like what is the level of movement that they can just tolerate yeah. without pissing these symptoms off. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like sometimes I am trying to find the floor yeah. to see how like in that like calm down Period. Yeah. Because they have been exceeding their MRV for for so long. Yeah. Or yeah. And and so this is gonna come back to we were talking about like programming mistakes. Yeah. One of the big ones is that people try to progress too fast. Yes. Right? Like if you're trying to follow progressive overload, right, which is just same thing, it's kind of like this idea that training should always get harder, right? It'll naturally, you could literally run the same program. Let's say you have a four month program, right? I run it, I hit some PRs. I can run the same exact program again, mm-hmm. right? I got results, so maybe some people do do this where they just run a program till they don't get results from it anymore and then they switch, right? I don't think that's great for everybody, for some people it works. But you could run it again, but because your percentages are going to be higher mm-hmm. because you hit PRs, that program is harder than the last program that you ran, yeah. right? Because you're just doing more work. It might not be a big change, but it's still a change. People get too caught up in trying to do as much work as possible. Yes. And really, you should be slowly trying to expose yourself to more load over time, right? Yeah. And like literally, <clears throat> it can be like from, from my perspective when I'm programming, I might add one or two reps a set every week and that's it at the same load right Mm -hmm. if you not to be too crass but if you blow your wad too fast because you're just trying to do way too much right away you screwed yourself because now you can't progressively overload anymore so how are you going to continue to expose your body to more and more um, stimulus you can't you have to take time off so now like I always tell people it's way easier to cut off more hair than to like cut off a ton and wait for it to grow back. Yeah. Especially like when someone comes to me super aggravated or sensitive or tender, like let's be conservative because if we risk it, like what's the point? You're but, already yeah. in pain. Mm-hmm. And you know that doing more stuff isn't going to make it better. So maybe yeah. right now it's trying to figure out how much to do. Yeah. Right. It's like you kind of want to reset everything. Yeah. And so, and the reason why you stay above MED, but you also will sometimes push a little bit closer to the MRV is because there's a magical number floating around in there somewhere mm-hmm. that's your maximum your maximum recoverable dose. And what that means is you get the most adaptation. Some people call it something else, right? Like a maximum adaptation dose or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Okay. It's the most bang for your buck. So this amount yes, of work that right. I do is going to give me the most growth and adaptation of any volume in this range of, of work that we're doing, right? It's like anything above that <clears throat> is not yet diminishing returns, but like not uh, linear. It's like you're doing more, but you're not progressing. You're not getting as much adaptation, but like it's yeah. like a bell curve. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like it's kind of like when you hit this number, you're getting the best uh, adaptation out of it. Yeah. If you go up than that, you're going to be spending more resources recovering than you yeah. will adapting. Now, there is a little bit of nuance there because if you if you do do deloads in, in training, mm-hmm. right, there is an idea that there's something called supercompensation, yeah. right? There is some research on this. Some of the newer stuff that's come out has shown that as long as you control for overall volume, deloads might not really have too much of an effect, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of nuance. But basically the idea is that if I overreach slightly on the third week, so I do close to my MRV or maybe even a little bit above, I will get 
a super compensation effect where during the deload, because my body is receiving a break, it's going to throw resources towards the adaptation of the tissues that I slightly pushed past the limit or got really close to the limit, right? Throw resources. Love that. That's why like so many people are like, oh, like I didn't eat as much. It's my rest day. Like, no, you should be eating the same amount or more because like that's when you're really using... The concept of, well, like, and, you need resources. Yeah, and that depends, too, on goals. Because there are some people that are going to modulate, you know, calories, like, intake based on what's coming up, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a little bit outside of my expertise, right? Like, I would refer somebody to Claire for that. Yeah. So, who people who don't know, Claire Nutrition is who does Low Country Barbell Club's uh, nutrition stuff. So, that's one of those things, like... My expertise is not quite in the realm of nutrition. I understand a lot of it based for performance, but mm-hmm. those sorts of conversations, I would say Claire is probably a better resource. Is there, so that, like there's obviously <clears throat> some physical benefit of a deload, but yeah. I also feel like the mental benefit of it is going to be greater. That's, I, I agree. So the people that say that, um, like the arguments of, oh, you can just control for overall volume and then you'll get the same result. Like, yeah, but giving people a down week is a good idea because people need the mental break from training their ass off too, right? Like Mm -hmm. you only have, there's a, most strength coaches are going to talk some about arousal. And when I say arousal, I don't mean like, ooh, it's, you know, sexy time. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm talking about like, you see high-level powerlifters getting ready for a deadlift, and they're getting amped out of their friggin' brains, right? They're going yeah. bananas, yeah. smelling salts, people are slapping their backs, like, they're going yeah. nuts. That is arousal. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, getting hyped up before you go for a big lift or a big set, or like, you're in a gym, somebody's doing a set of 10 back squats, you look across, and they're on seven, and they're grinding it out, and yeah. then everybody, like, descends, and they start yelling and screaming, yeah. and they grind it up. Same thing. That's arousal, okay? Yeah. That takes a lot of mental and emotionally yeah. energy, energy out of people. So you need to reset that just like you need to reset everything else, right? So deloads, in my mind, and also, like, sometimes light days during the mm-hmm. week, right? If we're no if – we, if I know – that we're going to go heavy on Wednesday. Then Tuesday, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to make it a little bit shorter session. I'm not going to make it super heavy, right? It's going to be much closer to like that MED value that we talk about. It's like mm-hmm. same thing conceptually. But I'm going to control that a little bit more so that when we get ready for that heavy session, you feel rested. You feel like you can attack, right? And you don't feel worn out from having to go balls to the wall the day or the two days before. Yeah. Yeah. So like – with a deload, if I know, okay, week three, like I'm going ham because mm-hmm. next week I get to chill, then I'm more willing to push myself oh, for and sure. I'm, I'm excited for my deload. And it's like mentally you just have a reprieve. Like I remember in the days when I would go to CrossFit class almost every single day, like I would get more mentally fatigued from like everyone competing. Okay. Like let's crush ourselves. Or like sometimes Ellie and I go to the gym together and when we talk about the workout, I can see it in his eyes that he wants to crush me. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to handle this like amount of competition and whatever arousal right now. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. he's like ready to go and fight. And I'm just like, Oh, let's uh, like, get in the yeah. workout and not mm-hmm. like the feeling of like, I, I hate the word arousal. I don't hate Sorry. it. You know what I mean? You can pick uh, excitement. Yeah. Like that yeah. kind of hype excitement. Some would call it anxiety around like, no, okay, I, we're maxing out. And to be clear, I would agree with that. Yeah. Right? Like some of it is anxiety and you have to, we can, that's kind of a competition thing, but like yeah. not to go into a big tangent, but anxiety when it comes up, 
not everybody has this decision. Some people, it like takes more than what they're ready for. But anxiety for competition, you have to decide when it starts mm-hmm. coming up whether you're going to use that mm-hmm. or whether you're going to let it use you. Yeah. Right? Nobody shows up into comp or a big day and is not anxious. Yeah. Everybody is anxious. Even if they look calm, cool, and collected, it's because inside their mind, they're just like zeroed in. They are using that anxiety to their benefit, right? When you get to where you can do that, you will see some of your performance like go through the roof, right? And I just want to make it clear, this happens to everybody. So when people are like, oh, I just get so anxious... I'm not trying to diminish what you're feeling right now. It's every, normal. Every, every, it happens to every single person, yeah. right? I've been competing in weightlifting for like five years. It could be a little local comp. Guess what? When I start warming up for snatches, I'm going to start to get anxious, uh-huh. right? But part yeah. of me leans into it like super yes. hard. Yeah. The difference is like I was feeling that every single day. Yeah, and that's too much. It was like every single day is this competition. Yeah, but... so like this talk of like controlling excitement, right? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to you because at some point it becomes exhausting. Like, I don't want to go 100% or 105%. Yeah. Like I, when I can do like a workout at 80%, I'm like, great, I got a great workout mm-hmm. and I didn't have to deal with like using all of my resources to yep. crush myself. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember, did you watch the games last year? No, I, I usually kind of like see snippets of it, but like there's just so much. Do you remember Annie the on the lift? Match? looking at her finger. Yes. So it looked like she was saying number one to everyone, but she was so, like, zoned in. Everyone's screaming, obviously. She's like, I don't know. I she's can lift these weights. Yeah. And she's looking at her finger and, like, just staring at it mm-hmm. the whole time. And, like, not playing with the crowd, not doing anything like that. And I think it was because she was so excited and anxious, but trying to, like, zone it in. Yeah. I'd be 100% willing to guess that she got... That, su- that that came to her somewhere from either a weightlifting or a powerlifting like mm. standpoint. Yeah. Because in CrossFit, because you have multiple chances to do the lift or whatever, like if it's a, you're doing like a, let's say you're at a CrossFit comp, they're doing build to a one rep max snatch in, you know, seven or eight minutes or something like that. You can take as many attempts as you want in that seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Powerlifting and weightlifting, you have three chances yeah. on the bar and that's it. So you don't really have the option yeah. of... Missing and then refocusing, like you have to like be ready now, which is why also like you might hear people say during weightlifting, like oh don't walk in front of somebody or yeah. whatever, right? I would be willing to bet that Annie got that from that direction of like lifting. Yeah. Not, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And but I was just like, what is she doing? But like, she was just trying to be so focused. Yes, she was trying to block everything, all yeah. the distractions. Exactly. Out, right. Yeah. Sometimes all that energy is really good, and sometimes yeah. you it gets it to where you're out of control. And snatch is so technical. Exactly. If it's that height, you're just going to yank on that thing as hard as you can. And so maybe that's not going to serve you because you're not yeah. going to be as technical as you normally would be and it's going to be inefficient. So, yeah, like you know. you're not doing a, a deadlift or a squat where you just where you need just, people yeah. to yell and you're just going to like crush yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or like even the, the sandbag this year, like it was cool because there were... And a clean and snatch, like as soon as they start, like you know if they got it. Oh, yeah. For the sandbag, like they were just holding <laughs> it against their chest for seconds, for so long and you're like, are they going to do it? Are they mm-hmm. not? So yeah. that was kind of exciting, but... Okay, so back to MRV and MED. Yeah. What's the point of doing anything above the minimum effective dose? You get better. So 
you will you will still get better at the minimum effective dose. Yes, you will still make changes. Like there will still be gains, like measurable gains above yeah. the MED, but yeah. not as much if you were like somewhere in the middle. It depends on the person, right? That like that maximum effective dose, like where you're yeah. getting the most gains. That's like a floating number, right? Yeah. That moves around a lot. And for some people, it's going to be close to the MED. For some people, it's going to be close to the MRV. And so we don't really know, right? So generally, like if I'm writing a program, and this is not injury-related stuff, that's a little bit different, but for yeah. just for general programming, basically, normally you go week one, week two, week three. Week one, I'm trying to be above the MED, but not much higher. Week two, we're going to go up a little bit, and week three, we're going to go up again, but I'm going to try and stay below the MRV or like right at, right? So how do you know their baseline and their ceiling? So most of the time, you could take a pretty good educated guess based on some of that stuff I was talking about before, right? How old are they? Are they male or female? What's their training experience? What's their diet, their sleep like? Generally, if I've had somebody for six months, I know if they sleep enough, right? I know if they're eating enough. And if they're not, then I've probably had that conversation with them already. You know what their lifestyle is. Yeah, for the most part. Let's say you've met someone for an hour. Yeah, if they're brand new, it's really hard to tell. Generally, there's going to be like a feel-out phase. You kind of start conservative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like our intro program for weightlifting is two months long. Yeah. And it starts really low and it slowly builds. And if somebody in the middle of that is like, this is so much work, because none of that intro program is a lot of work. It's enough to make changes for sure, but it's for most people, it's not anywhere close to their maximum recoverable volume. If somebody tells me during that phase that they feel trashed, right, outside of like, oh, we did heavy deadlifts, so you're going to be sore for a day or two, yeah. right? Outside of that sort of situation, if they're just always feeling beat up, then I'm like, wow, this person is going to need way less volume than mm-hmm. most people, right? But generally... After that, I'll have a pretty good idea of how much work they can do and how much they can't. That number is going to change some too as you get into better shape. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to be able to handle a little bit more just because you're going to recover better, right? So like those values do change, but generally if you've been with somebody for a minute and as long as you kind of keep track of mm-hmm. what you're doing, which not every coach does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy. The app does it for you these days. You know, Yeah, like, like honestly – it, it's not very hard, right? You can yeah. just go back and literally be like, oh, they squatted twice this week. How many working sets did we do? Yeah. Oh, we had four sets on this day and then five sets on this day. Okay, so we did nine total sets and it was a total of this rep. So then you can say, in this percentage range, we did nine sets and this many reps and this is the total tonnage of weight that we moved because you can just calculate it out. And then it gives yeah. you a bunch of variables to track. Yeah. And then you can say, oh, you know, maybe it's not that they did too many sets, but they went over this absolute tonnage and they can't do more than that or else it's too much work. Or maybe it's, you know, they, if I do three sets of 10, right, they get blasted because every single rep, as you keep going up, incurs more and more fatigue because you're having to recruit more fibers mm-hmm. and you're fatigued from the earlier ones. But if you do 10 sets of three, then it's not as fatiguing because the, you know, you have 10 first reps as opposed to three first reps. You see what I'm saying, mm-hmm, right? Sure. So now, is that really viable? Are you going to have somebody do 10 sets of three for back squats? Probably not. But is it, it – it's just like showing you the example of maybe for somebody you do a difference of four sets of six or six mm-hmm. sets of four. That's a, a better example of where you're doing pretty much the same mm-hmm. amount of work. One of them might just be a little bit more fatiguing than the mm-hmm. other, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's other stuff that's going to go into that. How much time do they have to work out yeah. and stuff like that. But if you have somebody who has infinite time, you might choose to do the six sets of four because they'll be doing the same amount of work, but it'll be less fatiguing on their body. So they'll mm-hmm. still get the adapt- – they'll probably get around the same amount of adaptation, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So there's ways to manipulate it with stuff like that. But you're still probably going to want to track 
absolute amount of tonnage, blah, 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 those sorts of things. Yeah, I think what's hard for, like, what we do is that we're often another cook in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. and we're, like, you're describing a situation where you're in full control, and there's a lot of communication and feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's normally like, oh, I do CrossFit a few times a week. They don't post the programming, or I am in group classes. They're like, yeah, I go on runs, and you're like trying to figure these numbers out and add things and take things away without fully knowing what they're doing. And so you said a couple words in there that are really important. The first one is communication, and I'm not even going to go into the you like the like the therapist and the athlete communication, but if you are going to see a PT. Right, and your coach is not being like, "Hey, can you have your PT hit me up?" Right, tell me what you're doing. What adjustments do I need to make yeah. to the program? If that's not happening, then your coach is doing a horrible job. Right, like straight up, they are just, they are not doing a good service for you. Right, anytime that I send somebody over to see Rachel, mm-hmm. right, Doctor Rachel, who's up in Somerville, mm-hmm. Rachel will either call me. Or she'll email me with the details of what went as long as it gets yeah. released, right? Like obviously, like for sure, the, you have to make sure. Always like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever you need, because then I can make better choices. And it might not even be that I change the program. It might just be, hey, when you do your squats, like we're going to keep it under this threshold for whatever it is, right? Like, yeah. it's literally that simple. And then what Rachel can do is going to be so much more effective because I'm yeah. not getting in there and muddying all the waters. Exactly. Yeah. That like when like I had a, a client and, and Pat called me and we had this big conversation about it and it was so nice to be able to like at some point kind of pass the baton but also know that like all the things that I figured out, he gets to help apply them. Yes. It's just instead of like, oh yeah, I know that you told me that, but I went and did five CrossFit classes and my knee still hurts. Like, yeah. well, if, if we're talking about like load capacity and MRV, like it's very clear why your knee still hurts. Yeah. But, so, is there a benefit to, you said there is a benefit in going above MED, because... Well, you kind of have to. The, the more you do up until MRV, like, the more adaptation you will make. Yes and no. Like, it, it, it does depend, right? Yeah. I can't say that as a blanket statement, right? I wish that I could. But you definitely need to be above the minimum effective dose or yeah. add it to get some adaptation. Yeah. Now, you can go too far up fairly easily, yeah. especially if, you, if you're trying to do multiple things. Like, let's say I come yeah. in because my knee's bothering me, right? And I'm lifting, whatever. Um, you tell me to do these things, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, later that day I go and I do three by 12 on back squat at like 70%, mm. right? I'm going to wreck my, like wreck my shit. It's going to be rough. And then, you know, I do, I wait a day and then I do my exercises that you've assigned, right? And mm-hmm. I do that stuff. And then the next day after that, oh, I got squats again, oh, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So then I squat again. And now instead of recovering from... From the stuff that you gave me yeah. to do, right? Yeah, now place. I have so much more volume for my first bit of squats that I did and then my other part of the squats. And I can't recover enough from the stuff that you gave me. Yeah. And all I'm doing is adding more fatigue and more load onto tissues that very clearly are not ready for it yet because yeah. I came to see you in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where, like, it, a lot of times it's like addition by subtraction. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what are you already doing that you're clearly not responding well to? I don't even need to add anything right now. We just need to take some of this away. Yeah. And then in the meantime, maybe add some things that are going to help you be able to handle this volume more. So I had a, okay. So in that regard, like 
how do you know you're above someone's MRV? Or like, do you ever try to figure it out? So if I have like a one-on-one like personalized training client or if I have somebody doing like one-on-one like like literal personal training, they're paying for an hour of my time mm-hmm. or something like that, then yeah, it's pretty useful to like have an idea, right? Um, so like, for example, Courtney Sneed, mm-hmm. like she has a lot of life stuff going on for a little bit. So she, she wasn't my athlete for a while. She just recently came back. But whenever we were going up and getting ready for Fitness of the Coast, right, she placed second the last year that she did it. Like, I had a really good idea of how many squats in a week she could take, whether that was in a workout or it was strength training or like a mix of both. I could almost like predict to the number how much she was going to be able to do and like when would we start to have problems. And I, I mean, I had it for probably a year and a half or so. And like, how do you, how do you know they're about to have problems unless they have problems and you're like, oop, cut back, cut that, back. I mean, honestly, in the beginning you can kind of guess, but at some point it is a little bit of trial and error, right? Yeah. As much as I wish I could be like, oh, you, you take all these things and you plug them into a formula and then it spits out a oh number. Oh my God. That would be, I would, it would be great, jobs, yeah. but that's just not how it works, right? Yeah. You have to kind of like, you start off about what you think is good, but on the low end, like low end and then you slowly progress for a month and you start back over and yeah. you slowly progress for a month and like you're going to go up normally as time goes on and then at some point usually what starts to happen is if it's been like four or five months and an athlete is like crushing it yeah. a lot of times I'll just be like oh we're in the sweet spot we just hang out here yeah right? like what's the point of going yeah. above that yeah. you're doing great you're enjoying mm-hmm. it your body feels great like keep on keep it on yeah and then there are also times too like let's say an athlete's like oh I want to get ready for this competition I'm like okay they start releasing wads for it I go and look at the wads yeah. I'm trying to get them ready for that and in the course of doing that we start to put like let's say there's a lot of thrusters mm-hmm. right and then there's also uh, wall, wall balls and then some other like and then they have like a uh, you know, a three rep max squat or something, which you rarely ever see in CrossFit comps because the way that setups work, but whatever. Let's just say that's the case. Doing all of that, at some point, I will figure out during that lead up to the competition how much is too much because we will increase fairly aggressively and then I'm going to find out one week it's going to be like, "Eh, I can't do, you know, I have sets of five on squats, I fail on number four every single time, Mm. right? Or the like the first set I do... Four, the next set I do three, the set after that I can only do two, like, oh, ding, 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 we're there, right? Yeah. There is a little bit of trial and error. Um, If you are a good coach, then people will be able to fail and not do the volume without incurring too many problems. That doesn't always the case. Like, sometimes people, like, sometimes you know because they're like, oh, I tweaked my knee, right? And sometimes that happens randomly, but... If you are exceeding the amount of capacity that the tissue can take, mm-hmm. you will figure it out pretty quickly, right? And it's always different too, like different personalities, different behaviors, different beliefs. Like mm-hmm. there's this whole human and system that we don't really fully understand under the capacity realm. Yeah, like exactly. if it was all just tissue capacity, then everyone could handle the same things and mm-hmm. it would be more of a formula. But a lot of it's like, oh, well, feeling that is dangerous or like oh I'm harming myself right or like oh that means I'm damaging myself or this person told me my back was out or this person told me that feeling my back is not good like there's almost this whole um side of it that determines how someone handles being above their MRV Mm -hmm. like some people are like like People like me, like honestly a lot of people because I do this all the time I'm like oh yo my hamstring kind of hurts a little bit and 
maybe it would be a tweak, but like it doesn't really change my decisions. Yeah. It's also not threatening and I know how to modify my program if it does get threatening. Yeah. And I'm not that threatened by it because of what I know and believe about the human body. Yes. And like if something happens to you, like you know really what you've been doing in your training and we also have all these resources to tell us like, yo, is something really going on here or mm-hmm. am I good? There's a lot of people who as soon as something like that happens there's a there's a spiral. There's yep. catastrophizing. Panic. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, man, I really don't want to make it any worse. Or, like, even if they've had something in the past, some people have really bad lower back pain. So as soon as they yes. feel anything, even if it's soreness, they're like, ah, ah, yeah. like, you know, that alarms. Like protective yeah. response. Some people have had trauma. Some people have had injuries. Like, there's this whole other side of things that, like, makes it really messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is going to get into a little bit of what I consider to be a coach's job at some point too, is you should be convincing your athlete that they are the shit, mm-hmm. right? Like my job as the coach is to be building that person up, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of this that goes into competition stuff too, but even outside of that, like as somebody's going through their training, I should be, be like, yo, you crush that shit. Yeah. I should be building them up the whole time. If I'm not, if I'm like, and if they do something that's too much... Then instead of saying, oh, you aren't recovering well enough or you this or you that, it mm-hmm. should be like your job as the coach is to take responsibility like, oh, for I'm that. Sorry. Right? I didn't. Yeah, be like, hey, like I think maybe that I programmed a little bit too much or like we, I pushed you a little bit too far, right? Yeah. And that, that way it doesn't become a them thing. It's a I, you know, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like even if I feel that maybe like let's say they haven't been sleeping well lately because mm-hmm. they're like it's a young guy and they're staying up playing video games, I might say, look, some of our recovery stuff has not been as mm-hmm. good as it could have been, and I should have taken that into account. I take that. I hold it to my chest, mm-hmm. right? Now, then at some point I can have the conversation of, hey, you know, if we can focus on recovering a little bit better, then like we might mm-hmm. be able to do that amount of work yes. that allows us to get those gains. But you approach it in the right way so that you're not saying it's your fault. You yeah. can say, you, you see? For like, sure. There's yeah. a, do you know who Eric Mira is? I do not. He's a, a PT, of course, I think. So there's this whole article. So like we know how detrimental nocebos are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's. The whole article is about, like, I think he called it placebo-foo, like kung-fu. Yeah. Of, like, how can you, as a human that's training this person or working with this person, elicit the most positive response? And, like, what we know in PT, honestly, if you like your therapist, you are more likely to get a better outcome. Yeah. So, like... Just things like being positive, building someone up, being encouraging. And not in a fake way either. No, like truly being a good person. Yeah, yeah. Even things like if you go in expecting success, you've read reviews, you like the way the space looks, you like the cold brew, you like the people there. Like you can dial so many things in to help this person Mm -hmm. get a good response. It's it's crazy. It's like, why are we all using this to our advantage? Like Mm -hmm. you just said, your whole job is to like build this person up like you don't you don't want to be the reason in any capacity that they don't do as well that they feel more injured that they I don't want to even use the word fail but they have a setback yeah um and if they do it's like okay what what have I contributed to that Mm -hmm. and I think what a lot of people don't understand is how much other people have contributed yeah to their potential I don't know pain injury failures um, well, if you have somebody 
that just starts PT for the first time, like not like personal training, not physical therapy. Yeah. They go in and their PT, the first thing they plan is their head is, oh, if you round your back, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. That's how you get injured, right? Blah, blah, blah. Do you say something like that? No. Like, get the fuck as out of As soon as they round their back, boom. You're, you just told this person. Because they're scared. Injured. Yeah. You're yeah. scared of the position, you're right? You're giving this person the opposite of resilience. Yeah. You're now giving them so many things to be afraid of that aren't actually things to be afraid of. And mm-hmm. so... Yeah, you're, you're breaking this person down rather than building them up. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned something about, like, this potential guy who's not sleeping as well and blah, blah, blah. Like, what decreases maximal recoverable volume? So, the big ones are going to be sleep, nutrition, mm-hmm. and outside life stress. So, like, actually not covering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the basics of recovery, like, if you're not getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. if you're not fueling your body from a calorie standpoint, and then from a protein standpoint, and then from, like, just general fuel, like, you know, it's pretty clear to, to say now that carbs are going to be really good to eat around your workouts because yeah. those are going to assist you in working, you know, as hard as you can during the workouts and not feeling fatigued, right? This would be a great spot for like an advertisement, yeah. like a carbohydrate advertisement. <laughs> and today I just ate my mush and yeah, it had 33 yeah, yeah. grams of carbs in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, if anyone wants to like pay me, that'd be great. <laughs> Anyways, what were you saying? Um, but yeah, so like it, if you're not doing the sleep, you're not doing the nutrition and you have outside life stress mm-hmm. stuff happening, look, like good example, breakups, perfect example, right? Are super taxing, right? worried, you're fretful, you're like, oh, is this going to work out or whatever. Some people are better at handling this than others, but especially for younger people, if you have a teenage athlete, they're like 16 and they break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, bruh. Or like like, get in a fight with their best friend. Oh, do any of that stuff, right? Like relationships in general, their MRV is going to tank like into the pits. They're not going to be able to hit as heavy weight. They're not going to be doing as much volume. All of that stuff is going to suffer. Right? I mean, same other stuff. Death in the family. Divorce, losing your job, changing jobs. Death of a pet. I mean, any of that stuff. Having a rat in your house or outside your house. (laughs) Moving. We we said we weren't going to talk about Elliot like that. Uh Don't say that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's the big stuff that I would say. Um, Other stuff is going to be less important. You're like, oh, I didn't do my ice bath. Eh, Okay, whatever. Yeah, like that didn't really move the needle. No. So then what, what, like, really maximizes MRV. The same exact stuff. Just making sure you, really yeah, well. making sure you get enough sleep, making sure that you're trying to control your outside life stress, whether that's journaling or going on a walk or having, you know, your alone time where you can just relax, mm-hmm. right? Um, so increasing like focusing and prioritizing your recovery allows you to handle and adapt to more in the gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you, it literally, you can think about it is I have X number of recovery points, right? Ooh, I have I, spoons. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I love this analogy because that means if I have 20 units of recovery for this week, right? And then, um, you know, maybe we're getting close to a competition and my coach is ramping it up a little bit. I could be like, man, I really, I really would like to have some more of these, mm-hmm. right? I can sleep a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I can, I don't want to see eat better, but I can eat in a way that's going to serve my body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm not eating quite enough on some days. Maybe I eat a little bit more mm-hmm. on those days. Maybe I make sure that I'm getting enough protein on mm-hmm. those days. Um, and then also like, oh man, like when I get home, I 
scroll on my phone for three hours and get in Instagram fights. Oh my god! You know, you probably or, do that, don't you? I do sometimes, <laughs> but only on stuff that I think it's actually going to like change somebody's opinion, right? And and I mean, with that stuff, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. But just like you don't have to approach it as a fight. You can be like, look, here's the evidence that I look at. You know, yeah. it makes me disagree with you, and this is why. Blah, there blah, blah. are some like some people that legit fight, and I'm like, y'all aren't helping anyone. Anybody, it's so stupid. Yeah. You're yeah. just like it's driving really each other further. Yeah. So you can go out of your way and like prioritize recovery even more when yeah. you know you're going to need more recovery spoons. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I think that's a good segue into enjoying training. Mm. Did, did someone ask you, like, what do you do if you're not enjoying training? Yeah, so um, Pat uh, from Strength Check Weightlifting actually just talked to me about this. He was like, do you ever get burnt out? And like the answer is yes, mm-hmm. right? Everybody gets burnt out. Especially, like, weightlifting can be a little bit monotonous because there's only two competition movements, right? Yeah. So, like, it can be a little bit boring at times. And if you're not ready for that or, like, you need variability. You just do, right? All humans do. So, you know, what I'll do is usually after about six months or so or, like, getting up to a big meet. Like, I have American Open Finals coming up in December, right? After that, I might snatch clean and jerk once a week mm-hmm. or maybe even a little bit less. I might do it like twice every three weeks. So like, you know, you know, if you were to put that on a percentage, like 75%, I'll do set, you know, you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'll just spread those out a lot more. So I'm still not completely forgetting how to do it, but yeah. I want to do other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I want to get involved in, you know, a little bit of grappling or I want to learn some tumbling or I want to rock climb or whatever, like doing some of that other stuff when you're far out from comp, when it doesn't really matter, or when you just finished a big block of training up to like your big event for the year. I don't think it's smart to be 12 year, twelve months out of the year no. just like grinding. That's dumb, right? If I'm grinding all the time, at some point it gets so monotonous and so tiresome that I don't try as hard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so okay. I either don't recover as well mm-hmm. or because I'm not really giving a shit, I move with less purpose. I make mm. mistakes, right? Maybe my technique gets sloppy or whatever. Like, there's also some research to show that monotonous in training has a correlation for injury rate. There's not a ton on it yet, but it's starting to come out now. So, like, something else to consider when you're programming is like yeah. super monotonous stuff is just it's just not good, right? Like, you do want to change stuff up. Now, if you're if you're on the cusp of going to the Olympics. And that's what you care about, then guess what, man? Like, you're kind of stuck in that rut for a little bit. And if you're cool with that, then hey, that's great. And then you try to find ways to make it so it's not so monotonous. You can, there's some things that I can do as a coach to make that better. But generally speaking, like, after five or six months of really hard training, I will intentionally do like a month to a month and a half Mm -hmm. of like down training, Mm -hmm. where I'll still snatch, clean, and jerk some, and squat, and some of that stuff, right? But I'll do some other stuff. And that's really good from a development standpoint, too. Like, Mm -hmm. a better athlete is going to be better at more things, right? And so you can practice, you know, just learning how to do new stuff. And it doesn't have, it doesn't even have to be super fitness related. It could be archery or something that still requires some focus and is moving your body. Roller, yeah, honestly, like, that's that's a good idea, too. Um, any of that stuff is great as long as you're still approaching it like you're a beginner and you're not taking a training approach to it. Mm. It should be stuff that is outside of training. Yeah, you get a break. And you're doing something that you enjoy and it's new and fun and somewhat challenging but not so challenging that you're getting really frustrated and beating yourself up Mm -hmm. or wanting to employ training stuff to it. You should be like, oh, twice a week? 
I'm going to go and go to the indoor, you know, rock climbing place and climb, yeah. right? When I was up in Charlotte, there was a great place called like Indoor Peaks or something yeah, yeah, that yeah. I used to go. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's huge. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Um, so like that would be my suggestion. If you're getting bored and tired from training and you've been hitting it hard for a long time, and this is the thing too, you should be able to be like, hey coach, we just hit this big comp. Mm-hmm. I did great. I feel awesome about how I did, but training was getting really shitty for me. So what I'm going to do is for a month, just write me two days a week, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's make it easy so that we just don't forget some of the stuff or some of the skills that we really need. Yeah. And then I'll go and do this other stuff for a little bit. And I'll, you know, I'm going to be back hitting the road in a little bit, but we need some time for me to reset, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, I think it's going to extend your longevity in like whatever sport you're trying to, to do. Um, and I think you're also going to notice that you're going to get some other gains, like general physical preparedness gains mm-hmm. from doing those other things. Yeah, like so many people are like, oh, you're not training, well, you're not getting better, and then you're going to suck. Like um, we talked on the podcast podcast with Jared, the, the first year that Christian and them made the games, they had just moved. Mm-hmm. And for like a month, all Christian did was row bike ski, just yep. like 30 minutes or more of, of aerobic capacity and like mm-hmm. maybe some GHD, we call it hot girl shit. Yeah. So, like, she was just like, I can't handle the, the full, like, competition and training right now, but I'm still going to move. I'm going to mm-hmm. do things that I enjoy. And then, boom. And her aerobic capacity exactly. like, and probably went through the sure. friggin' roof during yeah. that time. And then she right? did games. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you better bet that Tia Claire Toomey is not doing CrossFit right now yeah. after winning the games. Mm-hmm. So, bef- yeah, I mean, like, right after Invitational, I tried that whole week to, like, work out. And it was just frustrating. So, like, you probably was just like, blah. Yeah, I was like, why am I, like, I wish I would have set the expectation for myself that, like, I just wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I'll still work out. And then I would go to the gym and then do something and be like, this sucks, I'm leaving. Yeah. I want to touch on RPE um, before we get into our rant. Okay, yeah. So, when we're talking about, like, especially building, building strength and novices, like, programming for people, how to know... The percentages, the um, perceived exertion, like what do you use? How do you use it? So with new people, if they're in person, that's great because I can just watch, right? And I can be like, oh, like I know we want to build on these squats next week. So I want them to look like you're doing work, but I don't want them to work super hard because next week I want them to look like work. And then the week after that, I wanted to crush your soul, right? Like that's pretty easy for yeah. me to just make those judgments, right? Yeah. We're, on, we're on week one, two, or three. I know exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Um, if they're not in person, then it's harder because especially if they're brand new, cause they don't even know how to self-regulate. Right. Mm-hmm. So saying percentages or giving them like a scale of difficulty from like mm-hmm. one to 10 is a great way in my opinion, cause that's what we do for the strength club. Right. Mm-hmm. Is I usually will say, here's the percentage and then here's a scale of one to 10. How hard should this be? Yeah. Right. I don't like RPE for a couple reasons. It's really good if you have an experienced athlete that will be honest with you and honest with themselves. The number of people out there that will do that is like 20% or less, Mm -hmm. right? And that's my biggest issue with it is that this is a big thing in the PT and physio world right now is they'll be like, oh, RP is better. If you're there with the person, right, and you can get their RP right away and I've watched this, then we can agree on what RPE was right there, like Mm -hmm. on the spot. So it's great in in that case, right? Yeah. But if somebody's remote... And you're viewing all their stuff after the fact, man, that's really hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to be honest. And if they're new, they don't really even know good like judgments of what jumps to make to the next one. If like this yeah. one was a six and you want an eight, then they might go too high or too low. 
Um, and there's a lot of other stuff too. This is not to like throw stereotypes out there, but generally speaking, untrained women are going to undershoot, right? And there's actually some research behind that too. So they're going to say it's a, it's an eight when it's actually a four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also like you're untrained. You don't know yeah. what an eight. Well, you don't even know like. what you could feel and still do the rest. Well, even from a neurological standpoint, you haven't learned to recruit enough motor units to push into that 9 or 10 range. You yeah. don't know how to do that yet, right? Um, so there's that. Young men, right, definitely overshoot like crazy. You could put RPE 7 in there. They're going to 10, right? They're like, they're I'm like balling out, boy. Right? Yeah, like I'm yeah. going to go up to 500 or whatever. Like they're going to go bananas. Because yeah. when they see that number, they're going to say, oh, this should be it for me. And if they're having a down day or if they didn't have sleep or whatever, then instead of auto-regulating based on how it feels, they're going to go up until they hit that number. Boom. That's it, right? Yeah. So – and, and that that's not only a young men problem, right? There are some older guys. Like, for me, I can tell you if somebody gives me RPE, I'm probably not really going to listen very well, right? It's just, I'm going to build to a heavy single. Well, just, it is what it is, right? And there yeah. are some people that will, like, do, oh, build up to this number and then cut down and do these drop percentage, you know, sets yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. The only problem is, like, you can, you know, smoke yourself on the single and then be mm-hmm. dead for everything else. There are some new uh, ways of coming out of tracking that stuff, which I think are excellent, right? Velocity-based training has a lot of promise. Um, and what that means, like let's say I'm squatting. <clears throat> you spend like six months developing an athlete profile. So you put something on the end of the bar that tracks the speed of the bar, right? There, There's like stuff you buy to do this yeah. with, right? It's a little bit pricey, but it's super worth it. So... And, and uh, let's say I know that this person's 80% is usually around this speed of the bar, right? Yeah. Like 0.42 seconds uh, or meters per second or something like that, right? It'll give you a value. Mm-hmm. And so then I can say, hey, build up to a single, but you have to be at this speed or faster the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have perfect auto-regulation. Mm-hmm. If my body is ready to produce more force, it will, mm-hmm. and that bar will fly super fast. And then instead of saying, oh, I want you to go to 80%, you might go above your 80%, but if the bar speed is still fast enough, that yeah. means that that day you're primed to go heavier and do more mm-hmm. work, right? And then the opposite is also true, where if I'm saying don't go above or don't go below 0.42 mm-hmm. and you get to 70% and you're there then and you mm-hmm. can't, you know what I mean? This, hey, it's, uh, you know, we're fatigued today or we're not yeah. feeling great, so we're going to have to stay at this lower weight. Like I said, you have to sit there for like six months and yeah. figure out what the profile is going to be because each athlete is going to be a for little sure. bit different. Like I can tell you right now, JJ is always going to move a bar really fast, mm-hmm. right? So he's never going to have a grindy squat. That's just not how he squats. Mm-hmm. So for him, his his like average you know velocities are probably going to be much higher than most people. <laughs> like Rachel. She's like, oh, it was so yeah. hard. I'm like, really? She's another, not at all. Dude, her squats is another perfect example yeah. because she is not going to go grindy in the squats. She's either mm-hmm. going to move it really fast yeah. or she's going to miss. And that's it. And so knowing that her velocities are going to be in that different range, yeah. it allows me to make better informed decisions as a coach. So that's that's the only real way that I know right now that an auto-regulation system would work well because there's just too many issues with RPE. So, okay, what's the difference between RPE and, hey, I want this to feel a 6 out of 10 difficult? Yeah, so like RPE, when you get heavy enough, at some point everything feels difficult, right? That's the problem. Like for most people, once you get past 80%, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, how was that? And you're be like, heavy? Yeah. Like, okay. And then it's like, 
RBE is more. It, th- some people also use RIR, which is yeah. reps and reserve. They're kind of interchangeable, right? I feel so like, like untrained people definitely do not. Exactly. Know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean, right? right? Like if you're well trained, you're like, oh, I could have probably done that yeah. for two more times. Then boom, we know it's RBE eight, right? Yeah. It's right there. Um, but yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Like untrained people don't know those things, which is why yeah. RPE is okay if you're there watching them. But even then, if I get a Rachel or a JJ and I'm watching them, I might be like, that was so easy. Yeah. And they're like 90%, was, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's just hard to tell for, for new people. And also if I'm the coach of somebody and it's been less than a couple months, I yeah. am still getting an idea of what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait. So is there a difference between RPE and do this at 7 out of 10? Like what we do for Strength Club? Um... I would say yes, and the only reason why is because because RPE is going to be better for those like more trained people. Mm-hmm. Um, like an RPE seven is not a seven out of ten in difficulty. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm like that's kind of what I'm saying. Like okay. an RPE almost is like exponential as it goes up, right? In difficulty level, like a seven is pretty low for an RPE. Like a RPE six is like oh that was a joke. Whereas if I say, oh, this is 6 out of 10, you might be like, yeah. oh, yeah, like that was, was okay. kind of hard, right? But yeah. not super hard. It was a little bit hard, right? Yeah. So RPE is more like an exponentially increasing difficulty curve. Whereas if I say, you know, I want this to be an 8 out of 10, yeah. that might be like, oh, that felt like if I, if I was giving 100% effort, this is 80% effort to make this move. Yeah. That's actually really not that much, right? Yeah, I usually try to ask, like, if zero was, like, you're not doing anything and, like, ten is really, really, really hard. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? Ten is, like, we can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Ten is, like, max effort. Mm -hmm. Very challenging. Yeah. In my mind, and this is another reason, I think high-level people or trained people know that the RPE scale is more exponential just intuitively, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I could have a single RPE nine and it could be 93%, right? And for somebody doing 93% that has less training it's going to feel like death. But mm. if I know that they almost mm-hmm. always feel like death, but I could push a little bit into the past death range. Past death. Yeah, I mean, honestly though, right? <laughs> New life after birth. Dude, I did a triple at 190 in kilos like a couple oh. months ago. So that's like 418. For me at the time, this was a PR over my one rep max and I did it for three. The third rep, literally as I'm coming up, I'm like not twerking, but my whole yeah. body is shaking, like shuddering up and down. Yeah. That is like true RPE 10. Yeah. And the number of times I've gotten to that is less than 10 my entire life. Yeah. So my knowledge of what that feels like is only there because I've trained long enough to get there a couple times, right? It's just really hard to explain that to people when they haven't done it before. So... RPE is trash. Let's not use it. It's not that it's trash. Yeah, there are definitely applications where it works. In-person applications, I think it's great. Yeah. Because I can look at it and we can agree. Like, you can say, oh, that felt really hard. And be like, well, it looked kind of easy. So maybe we meet in the middle, right? Yeah. And then we can say, oh, it was an RPE 8, right? But like I said, if you're not trained and you're off on your own, you can be like, oh, I stopped because you said RPE 8. And, you know, we did 65%. Yeah. Right. That like, it just felt like it. Yeah. yeah. Even if it moved super fast, right? Yeah. And there's some stuff that's going to affect that too. Like soreness is going to affect people's RPE. And soreness is really not a good indicator of whether you're going to be able to perform or not. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. 
Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.